Heavenly Father, we beseech thee. I kneel before you as a member of this age-old craft, praying to you for guidance as I am on a journey. A journey for more light, but more especially light that has been lost, forgotten, or hidden among the ages gone by. The light that connects us with our very meaning and informs us of our purpose. Light locked deep within our past, beyond lips that no longer speak, and paths forgotten, no longer traveled. Aid me in my pursuit, Lord, for historical light. Hey everybody, welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. As always, I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers, and I want to thank you for joining us once again on this cold and snowy day here at Historical Light. Today's episode number 23, and we have Brother Walter Hunt back on the show uh, to share a wonderful bit of information on a website that he has, so you're definitely going to want to stick around to see that. But let's go ahead and start the show off like we always do. Jump over to our friends at masonrytoday.com and see just what happened in Masonic history today. All right, today in Masonic history, David Roland Francis passes away in 1927. Francis was an American politician born in Richmond, Kentucky on October 1st, 1850. He graduated from Washington University in St. Louis in 1870, afterwards becoming a successful businessman in the St. Louis area. He also served as president of the Merchants Exchange, and in 1885, Francis was elected as the mayor of St. Louis. In 1888, he was elected as the governor of Missouri. This made him the only person to serve in both capacities of mayor of St. Louis and governor of Missouri. In 1896, he was appointed to Secretary of the Interior by President Grover Cleveland. He served in that position until 1897. Francis served as president of the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, also known as the St. Louis World's Fair. More than 60 countries and 43 of the then 45 states had booths at the fair. The attendance was marked at 19.7 million people. Most historians generally emphasize the prominence of the theme of race and empire, and the fair's long-lasting impact on intellectuals in the fields of history, art history, architecture, and anthropology. For the average of the attendees, the fair was primarily promoted as entertainment, consumer goods, and popular culture exhibits and events. The World's Fair was also set to coincide with the 1904 Summer Olympic Games. Francis became the only American to ever open the Games without having served as President of the United States. From 1916 to 1917, Francis served as the United States Ambassador to the Russian Empire. His tenor included the Russian Revolution of 1917. His biographer stated that Francis's time in Russia was shrouded in myth, some of that heroic, more of that comic and tragic. Francis passed away January 15, 1927. He was a member of George Washington Lodge No. 9 in St. Louis, Missouri. He also was a member of Oriental Chapter No. 78, Royal Archmasons, and Commandery No. 16, Knights Templar. He withdrew from the fraternity in 1898 for political reasons. 
All right, so thank you so much to our friends over at masonrytoday.com for another great article. Make sure you check them out at their site after the show today so you can keep up with them on a daily basis as they put out those great articles. Now, we also had an email forwarded to us with some cool Masonic history in it, so I'm going to go ahead and jump on that right now because I'd like to share this with you. So within the email, there's a little section called Famous Freemason. And it states in here, Brother Sanford Fleming, a Scottish-Canadian engineer and inventor, born and raised in Scotland, immigrated to colonial Canada at the age of 18. He proposed the worldwide standard time zones, designed Canada's first postage stamp, can't talk today, the three-penny beaver issued in 1851. He left a huge body of surveying and map making, engineered much of the colonial or intercolonial railway and the Canadian Pacific Railway. He was also a founding member of the Royal Society of Canada and a founder of the Canadian Institute, a science organization in Toronto. He was knighted by the Queen Victoria in 1897 and from 1881 until his death in 1915 served as Chancellor of Queen's University. He was initiated on May 9th of 1854 and passed on November 14th of 1854 in St. Andrew's Lodge No. 1 in York. Now, this email was forwarded to me by Worshipful Brother Nicholas Lane of the uh, Castle Island Virtual Lodge. And, Brother, thanks so much for sharing that. That's a great bit of history um, that I was really uh, proud to put on the show today. So if you guys come across stuff like that, too, that you would like to have read on the show, shoot that over to me. I would be more than thrilled to uh, include it in one of the shows and uh, share that history with all of us. So thanks so much again, Brother. Really appreciate that. So before we get into the interview today, let's go ahead and jump over and pay the bills. All right, Historical Light is brought to you in part by viewers like you. If you like what we do here, want to see us continue and grow, you yourself can support the show. Jump over to historicallight.com, click on the Support Us tab up in the main menu bar, and you'll be able to safely and securely give to the show through the means of PayPal on a one-time or reoccurring basis. Uh, we definitely appreciate anything you're willing to offer there. And again, that money goes towards the... Uh, Website hosting, audio podcast hosting, uh, a general upkeep and replacement of equipment over time, and just kind of keeping the lights on um, with the show here. Now, uh, if you're not into a direct donation, we do have a shop section on the site. You can get there our logo t-shirts and lapel pins. Um, we also have a antique section. And if you have any like old lapel pins, medals, coins, anything collecting dust that you're not paying attention to anymore, um, We'd like you to consider donating that to the show. If you'd be willing to, we'll put that on the shop section, find a good home for it, and the proceeds of that would, again, go towards keeping the lights on here at Historical Light. And uh, we definitely appreciate anything you guys are willing to offer. So if you do have something, an old lapel pin or something you'd like to donate, shoot me an email, and I will give you the information on how to get that over to us. So with that, thank you guys so much for keeping us around. We sincerely appreciate it and hope to bring you many, many more Masonic episodes on this great history. All right, now the bills are paid. I really just have one announcement that I want to make before we jump into the meat of the episode today, being our interview with Brother Walter Hunt, and that is very exciting for me. This is taking a little bit longer than I would like it to uh, to get this out to the point of being implemented, but we are doing a uh, a new venture through Historical Light with the Historical Light Traveling Gavels. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard of a traveling gavel, um, but we're kind of putting a different twist on it. So we have secured three traveling gavels, each having their own unique history, and they're pretty cool. You guys, you guys are gonna love them. We're doing something different here. See, my beef with traditional traveling gavels, in most cases, I notice they get stuck in a lodge. 
Nobody goes to get them, or if they go to get them, they don't meet the requirements, have enough people with the right titles, what have you. And they sit in those lodges forever. So the difference between regular traveling gavels and the historical light traveling gavel, we're playing hot potato with these things. So with these, we're promoting Masonic history education and visitation. So as soon as you get one of these, you're going to be charged with the obligation that you have to get rid of it immediately. And you're not waiting for someone to come get it from you. You or your lodge has to designate somebody to give it. But to give it, you have to take it to another lodge and present a Masonic history education piece and then present that gavel to the lodge and charge them with the duty to continue that on. So you're going to notice on our website, historicallight.com, we're going to have another page come up and you're going to be able to track those gavels. As soon as we get them uh, implemented here, we'll let you know what lodge they start out at and then there'll be a tracking section on there. You can see what lodge it's at and where it's going along its path. So if that's something you guys are interested in, let me know and maybe you'll be one of the first lodges to have the historical light traveling gavels. I'm really excited about this project. It's something that's been kind of in the works for a while and uh, I think it's gonna be a really cool thing. So keep your eyes out for that. We're gonna announce the individual gavels and their history behind them here very soon, one at a time as we're getting ready to uh, put them out there in the field. Um, but it's gonna be a great thing, so definitely keep your eyes out, and I hope everyone's really excited for that. But with that, that's really all the announcement I have, so let's go ahead and jump into the interview for today with Brother Walter Hunt. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to the story. Very pleased to have back on the show today, Brother Walter Hunt, and uh, he's going to be sharing with us some great information about a website of his that you're all going to want to get in on. Um, if you don't mind, Brother Hunt, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you. Uh, for those that haven't met you before or haven't seen the last episode, if you can go ahead and further introduce yourself and give a little bit of background information on you. Sure. I'm Walter Hunt. I'm a, a science fiction historical fiction author from Massachusetts. Uh, I've been a Mason. 30 years, and I'm past master of Norumbega Fraternity and Mount Hollis Lodges of Newton and Holliston, Massachusetts, respectively. Uh, I'm also the Grand Historian of the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts, the, only the second person that won that appointment, first one in a century. And I'm librarian at the Lawrence Library, Grand Lodge, Massachusetts, in Boston. Very, very cool. Now, brother, uh, like I said, we're going to kind of touch. I know we had you on the show before, but for those that did not see that episode or not familiar with you, uh, what family history do you have within Freemasonry? Um, I have a few cousins and uncles who were members of uh, uh, a lodge in Massachusetts. But basically, I'm kind of on my own. My grandfather, who I never met and who my father never met because he died just before my dad was born, was an odd fellow and was buried by the odd fellows. But uh, we are not a Masonic family. I'm starting a new tradition. Very, so. very cool. So now what is it, not having that you know, heavy tradition, what is it that made you uh, make the leap into joining Freemasonry? What enticed you so much? Everybody who comes to Masonry comes, comes because of somebody who convinced them that it was a good path to walk. I had a friend who I worked with who showed me what, he, what sort of person he was and gave me the inspiration to go and uh, apply for the degrees. Uh, I found the historical aspects interesting and the cultural context something that uh, that intrigued me. And I found that it was what I expected it to be and stuck with it. And I took, you know, three blinks and, and I was master of my lodge. <laughs> 
It was actually five years, but it, but it was quick. Well, we're definitely glad that you did make that leap into masonry. Um, was history something that you were into before masonry, or is masonry uh, kind of something to spawn into that? No, history is my college degree. Wonderful, wonderful. And I write, and I write historical novels, so it was a natural fit. There you go. Well, you've definitely uh, put your skills and talents to good use within the craft, and we are very appreciative of that. Now, one of those great ways that you've done so, and it's going to be the topic of today's show, is a website that you've put together called Masonic Geology. So if you don't mind, we'll kind of hand it over to you if you want to give us a little information on your website. Sure. Uh, let me tell you how it came about. Um, I'm a librarian at Grand Lodge and have been for about three years and change. But I was, uh, I was one of the, uh, the people who hung around the library. And in 2009, uh, a group of brethren from a lodge came in, and they were interested in doing some preparation for a Centennial, which was in 2012. And they said, we don't know where to look. We don't know where to start. And I said, well, why don't you start with the proceedings, which are those, those books on everybody's shelves that are full of dust. I'm, I assume that's as true in Kansas as it is in Massachusetts. Very true. <laughs> and they said, well, which, which one do we look in? And that's uh, that we were brought to sort of a complete halt. Because, you see, our, our proceedings are now about 160 volumes. So the first 130 years are covered by seven volumes that were produced in 1869. And then there's a book for every year. So if you want to know what happened in 1883, you go look in the 1883 book. But if you want something that happened and you don't know what year it, it happened in, you may be forced to look in a whole variety of books. And that just annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, well, wouldn't it be nice if there was an index? Because there was no index. And I started putting one together, and then it just got all out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> I wound up looking at volume of our proceedings and building a page for every volume. And then I said, well, you know, I should do a, uh, this is a wiki, like Wikipedia. I said, well, I should have a page for every lodge, including lodges that are no longer in existence. And then I should have a page for every district and then a page for every permanent member, because that's in Massachusetts, anybody who's elected a warden, appointed a deputy grandmaster or becomes grandmaster, is a permanent member of Grand Lodge. So they all got pages. Then I made pages for the Grand Chaplains. Then I made pages with all the necrologies and all the, bi the biographies and... And then it jet more, it just, it's gone on and on. <laughs> so now it's about a half gigabyte SQL database. And uh, it's about, uh, I don't know, several thousand pages. I don't even know how many pages. Wow. But, uh, it's becoming, and people like it. Massachusetts is the most built out, but I've got sections on various states in New England, plus uh, a few across the country. Uh, about, probably the, the most rapidly growing section is Missouri, because I have a friend there who's helping build out the Missouri section. So we have pages with biographies of all the masters. We have pages for all the lodges, and we're working on some other stuff. And it's about it to be a labor of love, but it's a big labor, and there's lots of love. Well, definitely. And there's, I mean, totally a use for that. Just like you said, a lot of states, the those books kind of sit on the shelf here in Kansas. We're lucky enough so far that um, our Grand Lodge has digitized a few of them, um, not all of them, and they're in PDF searchable form. So, you know, lucky enough, we're able to go in there. And if you know what you're looking for, find them. But there is still a lot of volumes out there that are not. And what you're putting together is amazing because it brings all that together plus more all at the edge of your fingertips. And that, that's huge. 
Well, it turns out that the, you know the search function isn't all that good. It's whatever the wiki software provides. But if you know what you're looking for in, in the in the in the, uh, the the days renowned of the internet, when instead of having Google, we had we had things like Yahoo, which was like a top-down directory of the internet. Uh, if you know what you're looking for, if you're interested in a specific lodge or a specific person or a specific version of the Grand Constitutions or a specific year. You can jump right to there. If you uh, if you go to something like a, a a year page, and you're interested in some specific meeting that happened there, you can go look at the lodge. If you're interested in a lodge, you can find out all the relevant things that happened to it, plus all of the permanent members and all of the district deputies and all biographies that I've found. And it's all linked together because that's what what a wiki does is it provides interlinked information. I like to think of it as a uh, a, a pigeon desk with as many pigeonholes as you need, all of which are reachable without getting up. And that's sort of what it is. And what that when it gets a major um, uh, addition, it's when somebody asks a question that I can't readily answer, but I can assemble the answer on the fly. Somebody said, who's the senior district deputy in my district? I said, well, I can, I can put together a page for that. So I built one. Um, who is the uh, when so-and-so was Grand Master, who did he have as his Grand Chaplains? Well, that's... You can put that together, so I built a page for that. When somebody said, um, uh, when so-and-so was Grand Master, who were the past Grand Masters? Now, that's an easier list than, than you guys have, because our Grand Masters served three years, so the largest number was eight or nine, whereas uh, I served one year. You could, Missouri has, like, 25 Grand Masters, past Grand Masters. We have, right now, we have seven. Wow. Uh, so I was with that, that page to get. Uh, there is a considerable amount of information on our interactions with Prince Hall and other black Freemasonry organizations. I found every scrap I could find, and I built a page for just that so that we could see the, the, the history of that relationship. Um, and I, over the course of time, have found references to lodges that never came into existence but were either granted dispensations or for whom dis for which dispensations were refused. So I have I have lodges in my list that no one heard of, which is really exciting. Um, well, yeah, and it, it, another exciting point is for those aspiring Masonic historians out there that don't have the know-how of where to go, what to look in, or the drive to just do it. This puts it at really with no... Uh, no way to get around it with any excuses. It's right there. It's on the internet uh, from the you know leisure of their home. They can now do this Masonic research because of the labors you put together. That's a very very powerful tool to have. How oh, much yeah. time do you would you say that you have into this so far? Um, I've been at it eight years. Wow. Uh, now I I put less time into it uh, on a weekly basis than I used to, but I'm always fiddling around, putting something on there, f figuring something out. Um, we just got a collection of materials uh, belonging to a past grandmaster who died about 20 years ago, who was grandmaster about 50 years ago, kind of Thomas Booth. A collection of his papers and his his uh, uh, his various regalia. Now the regalia took pictures of, and it's been dispersed. His 33rd degree went to the Scottish Rite, and his um, his grand commander's sword, which was absolutely gorgeous. You you'd have loved it because I, I know you're a commander. He, uh, your interest in commandery uh, that went back to the York right and uh, other stuff went various places but we had a lot of things that were uh, places he'd been 
and I'm in the process of adding that to this page so that we know more about Tom, who's now, well, the, the number of people who knew him is, is gradually reducing, and yet we have this insight into him. Um, one of the things I do for our, our quarterly magazine is I write, as I say, biographies of past grandmasters you've never heard of. So I have a whole bunch of biographies, 25 or 26 of them, and it's very easy to put them together. So you get this article about it past grandmaster they don't know and after they read the article they know it and it's because i have access to all this material that i've assembled from all these different places right it's just all there there's pigeonholes for all of them well i know at one point before maybe on the last episode we had you on uh you had shared a very cool situation where somebody came to you with just a photo and didn't really know much information about it and because of your website you were able to rather quickly um, give them a lot of details on that. Would you be able to share that story with us? Sure. Um, I had an article. I, I had a, a photo. It was just sent to me by our Scottish Rite Library. And uh, if you, if you give me a moment. I should be able to go get hold of it, and I'll, and I'll put it up. Put it up for you. But basically, it was a picture of a bunch of Grand Lodge officers, and they're kind of sitting around. I said, well, the, the, all we have is uh, we have this uh, this picture, and on the back of it, it says. It says, um, it has a name on it. I'm trying to think of the name. I just had it. It's a, this is this is getting, this is how you get, you get old. <laughs> um, but it's a bunch of Grand Lodge officers. And uh, I got it. And I said, okay, let me, let me poke around. I can't, I can't find the picture readily for you. Not a problem. We can always insert it later. You can shoot it to yeah. me later and we'll edit it in. I, I, I'll put it up for you when I find it. Um, but she said, it said Ramsey. I said, okay. I knew who Ramsey was. He was this impressive looking guy who, uh, who had a very distinctive facial hair. And, uh, and uh, I, once I identified that, I found him in the picture. There he was. So uh, once I knew what the, what the word was, then I, said, then I said, well, okay, let's look at this. I identified the Grand Master, this guy named Arthur Prince, who was Grand Master in 1920 to 22. And then I looked at the guy sitting next to him, who was his deputy Grand Master. That turns out to be a guy named Pollard. Once I knew that, I knew what year it was. And looking closely at the picture, I could identify that they were holding little pots of corn wine. So it was a building dedication. And then I looked at the building dedications, and I looked carefully and saw that there were two, uh, there were two, uh, district deputies in the picture, and I identified one of them as a guy who became a uh, who became a, a, a grand warden later on. So now I knew what part of the country, what part of the state it was in. And once I did that, then I was able to uh, I was able to identify where it must have happened. And I called her back ten minutes later, and I said, "This is a dedication of uh, the hall hall in Gloucester. It was in May 1920, and there it is." And she was just stunned. That's awesome. You could not how I could figure it out. And I told her, and it was not that difficult. Right. It, was, it wasn't hard to figure it out once you had these pieces of information. But yeah. because of the site I had, um, I had uh, available to me all of these, um, all of these tools, and I was able to identify the, the data and, uh, and, and give her that answer. That's awesome. Yeah. It takes a little bit of a, a keen eye to know what you're looking at, 
but with that and having this tool at your hand, it can definitely uh, bring it to a much quicker conclusion rather than having to search through all those old books, flipping page and trying to find what you're looking for. When you have it in well, a just, digital means, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, the methodology is don't ever go back and look through anything again. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you look at the year pages or any of the pages, they'll have page numbers. So if you have to go back to the book, you can do it. But once you've looked through it, once you've once you've copied out a speech or uh, made a record of a quarterly communication because we meet four times a year, or uh, or special communication or some event that once you've done that, why should anybody have to go do it again? The the essence of of uh, a research tool is that you you cut out that where the guy wastes time going over the ground you've already gone over. So I'm trying to help people not have to do that again and again. And uh, it's taken a while for that to sink. But now, uh, the joke I have is that now I have talks as a historian. And uh, I've been a grand historian uh, six years. And for, for two years, it was, look at that guy doing all that research, sneering. And the second two years, it was, wow, look at that guy doing all that research, which was, I wouldn't do it, but he's sure doing a lot. <laughs> and then the last two years, it was, would you please come speak at my Right. And of course, the answer is sure. Uh, uh, last month, I, I went up to a lodge in Ayer, Massachusetts, which is up near um, the New Hampshire border. Uh, it's called Caleb Butler Lodge. And I went and gave a talk on Caleb Butler. Uh, Caleb Butler was Grandmaster 1841, 1842. Interesting guy. Um, the, the tagline is stopped overnight in Groton and stayed 60 years. He was on his way from uh, working for Isaiah Thomas, not the basketball player, but the Grandmaster. Uh, editing a, a Greek grammar, and he was headed back to his home in New Hampshire, his family home in New Hampshire, and he stopped overnight with a friend who told him that there was a job available at, at a local private school, local academy. And he took and then he became a regular teacher, and he became a trustee, and he, he settled in Groton, built his house, got married, became a mason, and really never left. Even after his time as grandmaster, he came back and was was uh, active in his town, and and he really stopped over late sixty years, and that's the story, you know, of Caleb Butler, and and I could tell that story because I had it because it was there. I have all the relevant Caleb Butler information. When he turns up that I don't have, I gladly put it up there. Uh, a friend at uh, the shrine just found me some pictures of some past grandmasters with their officers, and I was able to grab those, scan them, put them up on the site. And I got a picture of a guy I didn't have a picture of, and George Gray. Now there's a picture of George Gray because I found it. I'm, I'm not shy about sharing the credit, which is you learn as being master, when, when you're master, what, next next month. You, you do a lot of a lot of credit, which is good. So uh, I'm happy to make this a group effort and, and give all the credit I, I can. I, I always refer to it as my humble contribution, and I usually get a hard time from people about that. It's not, not as humble, but it, but it is. It's, it's as humble as, as, as I'm willing to make it. That's a long time coming to be humble. You've put a lot of work into that, and I've, I've had a chance to, to take a look at it. It is very impressive and extremely useful. And like I said, for... No matter if you're an aspiring historian, someone that's just trying to dabble into it, or if you are very serious at it and know exactly what you're looking for, it's a great tool for everybody. Now, how do people get involved with this to help you build this to include their areas, their lodges, and their information? 
Massachusetts, pretty much people know that they can they can participate by being part of a uh, uh, part of some sort of uh, 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 they can like uh, handle their lodges page or their districts page. Uh, Massachusetts, it's not a problem finding people who who are interested. If you go outside of Massachusetts, of course, there's a lot more uh, a lot more work to be done. And sure. the thing is, I can't, I can't be grand historian of every state. <laughs> if well, let's take take. If you wanted to establish a section of the site that was, was devoted to Kansas, let's just pick a, a state, you know, random, with which we might be familiar. Uh, the first thing we could do is we could build a list of lodges uh, forever, all the lodges that have ever existed. And each one would get a page. So we'd build, a, we'd build a Kansas Lodges page and then build maybe the Kansas Grand Masters page so that when we built the lodge pages, we could link to the Grand Masters who granted the charters. Um, Kansas has districts, I assume. We do. And have, you, have they changed time? They have. Yeah. Well, one of the things I found was that Massachusetts districts have changed over time. They've, they've had eight significant redistrictings, one of which was when we gave up Maine, as, in, in, it became its own state. We gave up three of our districts to Maine and then had to rearrange the 12 that we had. So every so often, districts have changed so we could build a page which was all the the different district chain then once we had some things in place then it would be a matter of going maybe looking through the kansas proceedings from the very beginning which would be 1850 something 1860 something it was yeah 1850s i i feel like a horrible history person right now to not be able to spit that <laughs> number at you i uh i know it was 1850s like mid 1850s okay well then uh, we we start there, and uh, I know there's a history of Kansas masonry because we have it in the library. Mm -hmm. I also know that the that I think all all of the original lodges in Kansas were Missouri lodges. Uh, Kansas, Leavenworth, and Smithton, according to my Missouri page, uh, were all originally Missouri lodges. So we could start there, and we could link to them from there to the Kansas the Kansas versions of those pages. And then it would be a matter of promoting that information to your membership. Try and find uh, find people in each lodge. And there's always some guy who knows the history of the lodge mm -hmm. or who knows where the history of the lodge is, 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 uh, is buried. Uh, to build out that page and provide kind of some kind of content information or the great events of the lodge. One of the things I'm doing right now is I'm giving a talk at Lodges Instruction talking about telling your lodge's story and finding the story back. Uh, because is really what history is. Uh, I, always, I always get people to raise their hands and say, who, who found history to be boring when, uh, when you were learning it in school when a bunch of people put their hands up? Uh, and, and I say, well, you know, that's because it was taught wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> history is about people. It's not facts and figures, and it's not places and names. It's people. Right. So who are the great people in the history of your lodge? Were any of them grandmaster? Were any of them... Uh, a deputy, a, a warden, uh, any of them do great things. Uh, in Missouri, you know, they, they they have Harry Truman, which is pretty good. We we have Paul Revere, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have, uh, uh, we have Isaiah Thomas, not the basketball player. We had the basketball <laughs> we traded. Um, but we, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of famous, famous guys. You know, it's like Pennsylvania has Ben Franklin. So do we. We, we, we claim him, too. Yeah. So, uh, so telling the story of the people involved with the individual lodge, where all the real work is done, Grand Lodge is notwithstanding, is about how you 
promote that. And then people can be proud of their lodge and they can have the coolest lodge page. And pretty soon you have, as as uh, Guthrie would say, you have an entire Alice's, Ma- Alice's Restaurant Massacre movement and all you got to do to join is, is put some information on that page. Uh, it's it's harder than it sounds and easier than it looks. And uh, because of the facility with which pages can be created and updated, it's it's a simplified HTML. It really it grows very quickly. And uh, this is like I said, this has gotten a lot of hand, but uh, uh, it's a valuable resource to people. And I'm really glad that they they do like to use it because it fulfills all of the amount of time I've spent fiddling around with it. Uh, I didn't know where I was going when I started, but I figured out about four or five years ago that uh, that this is something everybody could use. So, right. So there it is. Well, one of the exciting things about it, too, is it's it's always updating. So it's not something you look at once and the history is there, you know it, and you're never going to look at it again. You've always got new stuff coming on there. So even if you've been on it, it's a uh, it's an interesting tool to always uh, be able to check back and see what else has been discovered and what new thing is listed there and what dots have now been connected. So, uh, is that, is that anything you have, uh, collaborate into the site where, uh, uh, like an RSS or anything where people get notified for updates at all? No, but there is a, there is a page, there's a specialized page that shows the, shows the most current updates. Wonderful. It's, wonderful. It's just that. Um, it, they probably don't want to know every time I edit a page and add a past master or I edit a page and correct a spelling change. Uh, so uh, I don't think an RSS feed would be practical. But, uh, <laughs> a little overwhelming at times, sure. But I do have a I do have a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group called Masonic Genealogy, where I post things that I've there and things that I've found because I find some amazing things after the proceedings up through 2011, which is when I really got done with them. And that means looking at every volume and producing a page for every volume, which took a long time. Uh, I went to Moore's Freemasons Monthly, which is a a publication between 1830 and 18, 1840 and 1873 was published by Charles W. Moore, our grand secretary. Uh, that had a lot of things that, even including things that are, are quoted in our, in our constitutions. Uh, I picked out all the Massachusetts stuff from there. And I went to New England Craftsman, which is a 20th century magazine. Uh, every state has a Masonic magazine. Kansas has a, has a magazine, I believe. I know Missouri does. We do. Uh, yeah. There's often... Um, Biographical things, uh, historical things, lodge things, pictures. Uh, you just start picking that stuff off. And now, because you have a structure, you have a place to put it. It's like it's, it's an, an infinitely reorganizable um, file drawer. You can, if you have a picture, you can put it in multiple places without having to make multiple copies of the same picture. You, just, you, know, you can just link to it there. So that if somebody's interested lodge that held this event, they can find it. If they're interested in the Grand Master who was presiding over it, and if they're interested in the town where it happened, all those things can link to the same picture, for example. Uh, so that sort of information, uh, which has lost to history, can now be captured and reproduced and people can get at it. And if you leave behind a page reference, if they want to go look at the original magazine and they have it, they can do that. Um, I know that... Uh, um, uh, Robert Edwards, who's a, a guy we know up in Illinois, right? RJ? Yeah. Wrong? Johnson. Ro- Johnson. Robert uh, Johnson, yep. Johnson, I'm sorry. Edwards, sorry. Um, uh, uh, Robert Johnson um, put up a picture. He was showing uh, some early issue with some Chicago magazine. I posted to him. I said, we have the complete run starting with issue one. <laughs> and he said, well, I 
library and check it out. But imagine if you could comb through that and pull all kinds of interesting articles relating to Illinois Freemasonry. And once you had them, you had a place to put them that was accessible repeatedly, and people could find things that they were looking for. That's what we're going to do. Let's take 21st century technology and access 19th century uh, anecdotal information. Some of the stuff is just lost. I encourage lodges to do things like, well, you have all this, this wall with all these past master pictures. I don't know if your, your lodge has past master pictures on its wall. But imagine all of those scanned and, and reproduced. Some of the lodge pages I have have all those past masters. And you can tell, you know, different ties, different facial hair, that kind of thing. But if there was ever to be a fire, you didn't lose all those pictures. You have them. And they can be identified. It's a shame when, when you go into a lodge room and you see a picture, some guy, some beard, some tie. And I say, who's that? I say, we don't know who that is. Yeah. He's adrift in history. He's like a, he's like a, uh, a, a place on the, on the hard disk that you link to. We're lost. We're lost forever. So let's not do that. Let's, let's find these guys because they are us. They're the Very people true. who did things we do now. They're doing them. I, I think we, we talked about this uh, when we met. That recognizing that these people, even, even at the local lodge level, their contributions are critical because we couldn't be doing the things we're doing if it wasn't for them having done the things they did. So yeah. let's recognize them. Let's elevate them. Let's become part of our history and be proud of them. That's the goal. Very, very true. Yeah. Just that same story you're talking about there, we, we had at our lodge. Um, we have a an old, it looks more like a painting portrait, but it's been on the wall for longer than anybody can remember. But nobody mm -hmm. could tell me who it was. And it's uh -huh. funny, you know, out in our uh, Tyler's area, we have a old frame with the past master's pictures. Not nearly as many as we need. I've been working on recovering those, getting pretty close. But one of the spots that was missing was William McClintock. He was past for 12 years oh yeah master and, and for 12 years because he yeah. told me about it, so. but we had his lot or his picture in the lodge nobody could tell me who it was until you know i was able to find another picture of him uh, connected with another able to say that's mcclintock we're missing his picture and it's been right here in front of all of us this whole time yeah. watching over our lodge every day so yeah it's it's great to be able to put that together the better thing you know like I've been doing a lot of work with my lodge's website to put all that history on there. What I like about site is it's a centralized location for these people. They're really delving into history. They're not ha going to have to go 500 different places and hope that it's there. One centralized location that we can put all of our history. That's a, that's uh, very yeah, beneficial. Ideas do not have to look at anything more than once. Once right. you've looked at it, you've looked at it. Indeed. So, uh, so, you know, that's, that's the objective. So how many people, I know you said you had a brother in Missouri helping you a lot with their state. How many other people have you had jump into uh, area? I got about, um, I got about a, a half dozen people in Massachusetts who contribute in one fashion or another. Wonderful. Uh, I have, uh, I've uh, conversed with a past grandma Connecticut who was interested in doing some work. The uh, librarian down in Rhode Island, we've done a bunch of, bunch of Rhode Island work. And uh, uh, he's been very, very helpful. And uh, I know a couple people in Maine who are interested in doing some stuff. Past that, what I'd really like to be able to do is make this pitch 
this way. Get me out of Kansas. I'll make that pitch to your grandmaster. Would love uh, to get our Kansas information in there for sure. That is definitely an objective. Right. What I want to do is is enable somebody else to do that rather than do it myself because right. I can't, as I say, I can't be I can't be a, a grand historian of every grand watch. I understood that. Yeah. It's just it's just out of the question. It's not. It's just not possible. But I'm but I'm I'm working to try and be you know grandmaster. Uh, uh, to be historian of my own grand watch. Right, I'm just saying, Ramsey. Okay, wonderful. So, yeah. Um, so uh, I'll. But I'm. But I'm eager to to have an opportunity to come and speak. I I talked a little bit about the website when I was at Missouri in September. It's the Truman Lecture. I gave a talk on anti-Masonry, and I talked a little bit about the the way in which we work with history in Massachusetts, and they were intrigued. And my. My friend in Missouri is a past grandmaster and who's their librarian uh, has been very eager to try and build up some of that material uh, for Missouri. We've done all the grandmasters, we have biographies, we have pictures of most of them. Um, I have a lodge list which is more complete than any lodge list he's ever seen because I've poked around and found it, uh, including mergers and lodges that came to an end, arrested or were destroyed by the Civil War. Not a problem we had. Uh, but but it's an awful lot of work, and somebody's going to do it. Some young, some young fellow, some somebody whose whose hair isn't quite as gray as mine, <laughs> take charge of it. Uh, what I what I won't underestimate is the amount of work required to make it useful. You, it's it's not useful until it it, it sort of reaches a threshold, and then it, and then everything sort of falls into place. Sure. And I have not made an enormous effort to make it extremely um, visually attractive. It's mostly white pages with you know, text on them or pictures on them. It all is a, a standard format because the, the wiki software imposes a standard format and titles and and, uh, and text. But, you know, it, it's content rather than presentation. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of websites you see are presentation without content. Well, I'm content with minimal presentation. And people find it useful. Well, so, like you said, I mean, the amount of time that goes into it to start with you can spend just as much time making something look, you know, as snazzy as you want it to, but there's there's definitely enough <laughs> work there just getting the and so I think that's, you know, more than understood, at least, you know, from the people doing the research. So man, we just extremely appreciate you putting something like this together. I really want to pitch to everybody out there to make an effort to compile this information so that we can get you added as well. Because I could you imagine? Every Grand Lodge, Lodge added in here, one central database that you can go to and have your fingertips on everything. That would be the most powerful tool for any of you historians out there to have your hands on. And yeah, all those all those wonderful pictures of lodges that you've been posting on Facebook, we can we can find a home for them. All. Indeed, indeed. And, and I'd love to do that. I I, th I think it would be great to work with you on that on that. So. Let's let's see what we can do for Kansas. I don't have anything on Kansas just yet, except those three Missouri lodges listed as being in Kansas. But uh, get it in there. That that is a right. mission for sure. One hundred percent. We're going to get it in there. <laughs> all right. Maybe after your master's year. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, brother, I want to thank you so much for all you've done. Like seriously, in my heart, it means the world to all of us history buffs out there for as much time and effort as you've put into this. And I sincerely hope to see it grow. It's definitely going to grow from my end. That is work I'm going to do. But I hope we can uh, talk the rest of 
into also doing some work and putting those labors into one source uh, kind of come together and make this a huge thing because it has the potential to be massive. It's already amazingly useful for what it is. Uh, we can make it even that much more. But brother, well, I want to thank you so much well, and I'm gonna turn it over to you uh, for any final messages. I just go look at the site and uh, uh, drop me a line if you uh, have any questions and uh, that I can make up answers to. Uh, but I'd be happy to uh, to help out. Uh, it's what it, whatever gets done in the fraternity is done by a few people who are really are really devoted to it, and that's how it all works. So, uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk. Very, thank you, thank you. We definitely appreciate you coming back on. It's a blessing to be able to have this chat with you again. And uh, would you uh, be willing to share that website and any contact information for you so people can get a hold of sure. you and uh, maybe learn a little bit more? Sure, it's MasonicGenealogy.com, which is M-A-S-O-N-I-C-G-E-N-E-A-L-O-G-Y.com. And if you go to the main page, you can find uh, an a email link, which you can use to, to hit me up. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, there's on the, on the main page, there is a contact our webmaster page, uh, uh, link. So you can just send me an email, hotc at walterant.com, but you can find it on the website. Wonderful. And we will also get those links, uh, posted on our website and, and everything as well. So all of you have easy access to that. I definitely encourage you to uh, check out the website, see what you think of it, and see uh, what there is that you can add to it. And with that, brother, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show and for all that you do, all your labors in masonry. And uh, we really appreciate you having you on. Pleasure, Alex. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, brother. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode today just as much as I did. Brother Walter Hunt, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm very, very grateful for everything you do for the crafts. Keep that up. And we hope to have you back on the show again here very soon. Now, a few speaking engagements coming up, I would note. I'll be in uh, Topeka, Kansas on February 17th at Justice Lodge, number 457, presenting a lecture on the genealogy of Kansas masonry. I'll also be up in Attleboro, Massachusetts on April 28th for Masonic Con 2018. I have a lecture up there called A Fading Legacy, The Importance of Preserving Our Masonic History. So you guys definitely don't want to miss Masonic Con. Uh, if you're up in the area, it is going to be great. I've heard some of the plans I got for this year, and it sounds epic. I really, really enjoyed last year. So if you guys have the opportunity, definitely stop by, and I will see you there. So for now, I'm going to send you guys over to our Facebook group. That is the Historical Light Masonic Research Group on Facebook. If you're not a member, go there, click join, and get in on the great conversation. Uh, conversation for today's show will be there, and we have great conversations going on all the time as well. So go click join, and we'll see you over there until next time when we continue our quest for Historical Light. Take care.